Colonel Matthew T. Good is a native of Texas. He grew up in the country and enjoyed riding dirt bikes, playing football, and being in the great outdoors. He went to Texas A&M University, where he joined the Corps of Cadets and excelled in scholastics and leadership training. Upon graduation from Texas A&M, Matt was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps, where he has been an active duty officer for the last 26 years. As a Marine, Matt has garnered many accolades and has led troops in combat during several deployments. He is highly respected and is currently serving as a Marine liaison to the U.S. Senate. Matt is not defined by his Marine Corps activities. He is an avid long distance runner and enjoys hiking the countryside with his wife and four kids. He is a world traveler, amateur archeologist, writer, and a true Renaissance man. Today, we welcome to the conversation, Colonel Matthew T. Good. Hello everyone, I'm here today with Matt Good. And Matt is going to talk to us a little bit about his experience with leadership and how he's developed different practices throughout his career with establishing boundaries and working through failures and really managing different challenges. So first of all, welcome to the show, Matt. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. So happy to be here. Well, if you could, first of all, just give us a little bit of a background on, you know, where you're from and who you are and what brought you to where you, what, where you are now, like in terms of your career and, you know, what you've been doing for the last however many years. Cassandra, so, uh, real, uh, you know, grew up in Texas uh, on, a, on a little bitty Pold Hereford ranch in Northeast Texas and knew I liked being outside and knew, uh, knew I liked people and having my feet on the ground. And so I, uh, Decided to join the service and um, uh, went to Texas A&M like my grandfather and married my high school sweetheart. Uh, and we've been married 26 years. We have uh, four kids. Our oldest is in the Coast Guard. And uh, uh, and I have uh, I've served in, in various roles and capacity for the, the last 26 plus years uh, in, in the Marine Corps. Okay, so that's quite a quite a lot to talk about then in terms of not only just you married your high school sweetheart, so obviously you've had a lot of ups and downs in your relationships and growth as people, but then in addition to that with four children, and you bring in this whole other experience as your career, that's a lot to manage and negotiate right there. So I'm really curious to talk to you just about what your overall um, experience looks like with being a leader at work and how you manage some of the challenges that you've faced. And then in addition to that, how you then show up at home as Matt, the dad, Matt, the husband, and how you kind of let some of that stress go. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, share a couple stories if you'd like, or just tell us kind of what, what you do at your job that you think is important to for us to know. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll start with the uh, the first the first question about uh, about being a father and a husband. So I think if I it is I, I've said this for years and I, I think uh, I think it's still true. Uh, I think it was always true that if I if I do know anything at all about leadership, it's from my failures as a as a husband and a father. And so, uh, you know, great great Marine Corps leaders who uh, who are not uh, also husbands and fathers. I um, I, I sometimes uh, I have a hard time connecting with them because I I, I think yes uh, you're a great leader but but uh, you know were you also a mother and uh, and a wife and or a, a husband and a father and so um, so I, I have learned a lot 
about myself in that way. And I don't always do a good job of coming home um, as, uh, you know, not the great Santini. Uh, so I, I, uh, you know, and, and I try pretty hard. I tell you what really helps is a commute, a good, long, solid commute to just sever, uh, you know, your former life and help you connect uh, to, you know, to what you're going to be uh, until you, you, you fall asleep. Um, that, that really helps kind of bridge that gap. Uh, for for me, I I don't like to drive and I don't like a lot of commute. Uh, but but uh, but just even a little bit is uh, it, it will do the trick. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of help some of that separation, like you say, and to make you feel like then you're stepping into that different role, which has its own unique challenges and stressors, but also you know wonderful happiness associated with that. So I think I love how you said, you know, just reminding yourself to step into that space and leave the other one behind. But then also I like how you, you know, you are incorporating those things that you've learned and, you know, nothing teaches you how to adapt and change to a situation like parenthood, I guess, right? <laughs> when you have all sorts of unique, same thing, you're, you're raising unique personalities and trying to help them become who they are. And then I think, interestingly, in your job from a leadership perspective, you're really doing those same kinds of things at work as you're, you're shaping people and helping to build them to a vision and helping to bring them along toward a goal. So do you find that you are then using some of those same tactics that home, at work, across the board? Is that just who you are? <laughs> I, I would be hard pressed to, uh, to tell you that, I, that there is a, uh, there's some technique other than just, um, you know, vulnerability, love, trust, mutual respect. Other than those things, uh, uh, there's not a whole lot that my family will let me get away with as uh, as Colonel Good in the house. <laughs> well, that's good that they've kind of learned their boundaries and separation of that too, I guess, right? <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about what that looks like for you at work. I mean, obviously you've had a lot of pressure throughout your career. You've had a lot of different situations that are, have been high stress. So how do you manage some of those things or how do you approach, you know, a situation where you do have to lead and maybe you're not entirely sure how to do it or what the variables might be? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, so I have had just, outstanding success uh by by being a little uh, by being a little vulnerable and uh you know just being really honest about what i don't know mm -hmm. and then encouraging uh team collaboration uh i've just never been let down by a group of professionals who uh who were especially if it, well it has to be that ego is not in the equation and so as a leader if you can if you can set that tone set that example and construct that environment where ego is not a factor and uh and folks on your team can kind of are comfortable not only failing but like weaving in and out of each other's uh, areas of expertise uh mm -hmm. and back into their own um i i i i think um yeah i've never been let down never been disappointed and able to uh, able to accomplish uh, you know, things as a team that I think other other teams, maybe even more talented uh, teams, but but less uh, functional teams, teams with less mutual understanding, love, trust, mutual respect. I think they uh, that that those those teams outperform even even uh, even folks with better test scores. 
I love that. I love that you started it too, just the vulnerability and also admitting what you don't know. I mean, that's part of it, right? Is really just being able to be open and be honest. And that's part of putting the ego aside, right? Yes, you might be a highly credentialed person in an area, but you still might not know something, right? So being able to state that and pull in the people who might know or to build that team from that place. And then you as a leader, really starting from there, encouraging and allowing the people below you to embody that same perspective, you know, that's building that kind of within your team. So I can see where, yeah, you would have that kind of unique mutual trust and that understanding that other teams might not just from really, there's that base level of, Hey, I know that this person is going to be straight with me versus, you know, posturing a little bit too. And in in time competitive environments where, where the team that turns the fastest, that, that makes decisions the quickest, reacts the, 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 the most responsibly to, to any given stimuli. Uh, uh, the, the, the teams that can do that are, are you know, they're the and, and they, they can do that only because there's, the, you know, there's, uh, there's room for mistakes. There's permission to make original mistakes. And, um, and you know, the, the, there's, uh, they love, they love learning and growth more than they love their own egos and reputations. And, and that's been uh, doing, being a part of teams like that has been the, the highlight of my, of my professional career. Yeah. I mean, just the way you're saying everything, you know, they love the, the growth more than their ego. And that's something that if you can find that and foster that, then your, your potentials really are unlimited because you're constantly seeking new experiences or seeking growth or seeking to understand so, okay, that's wonderful. What are some ways that you think that, that comes out in terms of just, you know, is this an explicit conversation that you have with your teams or is this something where just through your embodiment of this that they kind of pick up on it? So, uh, you know, you might expect that there's just like this big um, sort of aha moment where, but I, I find that, that trust is iterative. And, uh, and it builds over time. And often it's a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I had a sergeant major once used to say all the time uh, that, you know, folks don't know, don't know. And, it, and I'm sure he didn't um, come up with this, but, but, but I love it. And I, I attributed it to him. He, he said, uh, you know, folks don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And so just a, 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 a thousand little um, iterative acts of, uh, of caring uh, genuine, sincere. Uh, and, uh, I think that those, those types of things really matter. And it, 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 you can't, particularly with a large culture where you're leading indirectly, you can't turn that ship overnight. It, it takes, uh, it takes a good bit of time to, to, to avoid those icebergs, but, um, mm-hmm. but on smaller teams, you can change a culture, uh, uh, more quickly but but it's still not there's not like one speech you could give or one one demonstrative act you know it's it it takes a it takes a deliberate intentional approach over time and and you can there's plenty of opportunity for failure and everybody's looking for the say do gap right you said this but you did this and uh uh there, there you know folks are looking for you to be a hypocrite on it and uh and i just think every time they they're, uh, they realize that you, you're not a hypocrite today. Uh, you build, you build trust, you put money in the bank. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're showing, you know, showing again by example, and then it's those day-to-day moments that is similar to like children, you know, not to again, bring that back to your personal life, but it really is. It's the same thing with kids. You're showing that consistency and that stability that you show up for them. So they know you're going to be there. It's like so many of the principles that you're talking about. I'm loving it because I teach about feelings and relationships. And so often, you know, people will be like, ooh, and think it's all soft and like it's just about crying all the time. But everything that you've said, those are the things that I teach in my relationship classes. It's how you show up for people. It's that mutual trust, it's that respect, it's that understanding. And it's the ability to admit like when you're not right or when you've messed up and how are we gonna move forward and how are we gonna look at that in the face and then be better going forward as opposed to focusing on where we were in the past. So it's it's interesting to me because I think if we start with some of those relational pr- principles you know, within, they really can translate to the business world, yet somehow we still look at businesses and organizations as like their own entity where these, these concepts don't have a place. Like the fact that you said vulnerability you know, of course makes me super happy, but there are some people from an organizational standpoint who think that that's, you know, there's no place for that. What would you say about that? Well, I wouldn't be an, an advocate of vulnerability for its own sake, or just, you know, some, some leader uh, saying, you know, saying too much about, about their personal life. And, um, but I, uh, but I think, you know, when it is for the, the sake of, of building an essential relationship, um, or um, you know, for for the sake of of gener- you know generating trust that's absolutely going to be needed uh, when the organization is employed uh, in the way in which it was you know constructed and designed, right? But when it was intended, the way it was intended, um, I, I think those are you know the, the it's just it's I I think I don't. Um, I don't like when people pretend it's uh, and, and I know, and I can, I think uh, I can tell that Marine, you know, that, that uh, the Marines and people, I don't think people like it when you're, when you're pretending. And, uh, and so just admitting what you don't know. And also too, you never, uh, you never forget when you teach a leader something, when a leader really doesn't understand and he asks, he or she asks a junior and, uh, and he, he, he asks, truly desiring to uh to seek to understand and the the, uh, the the junior individual teaches the leader I, I i promise you that that junior never forgets it i could remember any time a uh a, a senior leader ever asked me a, a question just a quick story uh, a general i really admire uh, called me up uh one day a couple years ago and he knew i had a little nugget of uh, expertise in a particular area and uh, and he, he goes, hey, you know, hey, you, you know, teach me about this. And so uh, so I start talking. He's like, no, no, no uh, maybe maybe you could just come on over. And so so I so I go over and two hours later, we're done. Uh, the next I start, I think, to tell him this thing. And then I, 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 I check myself and I don't do it. And then the next morning I'm back at work and the phone rings. He's like, oh, so I was thinking about the stuff you were telling me. And I have some questions. He went through some very, very thoughtful uh very thoughtful questions. And then, and, uh, we talked through that on the, over the phone this time for, for, uh, about a half hour and he, he and he was all done. And, uh, and I was like, look, look sir, I want to tell you something. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, you're a freak. <laughs> I said, you, you are, you know, you're, you're, 
you're introspective enough to and honest enough to uh, to to list to know to know that you don't know to know that you have some genuine knowledge gaps. You're you're uh, you know you're humble enough to admit it, and you're disciplined enough to follow through and uh, and listen and and try to fill those gaps. And he he said to me something I'll never forget. He said, "Well." Uh, if that's a, if that makes me a freak, I'm sorry. And he goes, you're probably right. But he said, look, I've just made a career out of trying to do right by people. And I can't do it if I don't know. And, uh, and I, I, I really respected that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I could be, um, I respect the fact that I could call a general officer a freak. You don't get to do that very often. <laughs> I didn't see that that's where that story was going, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's great. But I love that the, the way you even described that and, and just how you said, like, he then was able to be like thoughtful and introspective and came back to you to ask questions. I mean, that's huge too. First of all, to ask you for help, but then to say, Hey, I need more help on this, you know? And I think that that right there to me also embodies, like you said, a great leader, I'm not only afraid, I'm not afraid to admit that I don't know something, but I'm going to ask somebody who might, regardless of if their status is the same as mine or regardless of, you know, if their life experiences are similar to mine. So, okay, given all this, you know, you're, you're talking a lot about the leadership and some of the, the things that you do. What are some challenges that you think come up with this then or other things that, you know, stressors or what makes it difficult? Well, a, a larger culture can be bad to that. Your um, culture of, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that vulnerability is weakness mm-hmm. can, uh, can be a, you know, a, a, a counter back to, uh, to the, to a more micro culture that you're trying to establish. Um, uh, or sometimes, sometimes you really do fail, right? The organization really does fail. And so, uh, convincing others that this is still a, uh, this is still a viable leadership model. This is not only viable, but it's still, it's still what we're going for, uh, you know, in the, in the wake of a failure is, um, it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's so easy to get people who otherwise might be a little, uh, reluctant or, or reticent, uh, to accept, mm-hmm. uh, they're looking at a whole lot of W's in that organization, right? That's really easy. They're like, Oh, this is, this is why you guys can fi- finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, and, and, uh, is because you, you know, you get, you get each other, uh, and you're, you're, you know, you love trust and, and respect each other, but, but it is tough if, uh, if there are some, some failures in the organization and, uh, and they get, uh, you know, that organization gets outcycled or, uh, mm-hmm. or in, in, in my, in, you know, in my language defeated, right. The, the, it's hard to get people that this is, this is still a winning strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like within that, then, you know, if there are those challenges and those failures, do you come back to them and talk about them? Or is it something where you're focusing solely on going forward? Or is there something where, you know, as a team, are you discussing those or what does that look like for you? Well, I think, I think you absolutely have to address your failures uh, uh, as, as a team. And, you know, these are, these would be hard conversations. Um, uh, and, and, and I don't think that the only reason to, uh, to address your failure there is just is solely for, um, you know, convincing people that, that a, 
uh, a leadership model built on love um, and respect and, you know, where, where trust is the coin of the realm. I don't think that that's the, that's the sole reason then to go back and address your failure, but it, but it's certainly one of them. Uh, but I think organizations that are honest about their failures uh, make original mistakes. Um, and, and I think that's maybe the best we can hope for. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things then, you know, given all of these, you're, you're managing people, you're working through a lot of these leadership principles. Do you talk about, you know, and then the boundaries too. So how do you set boundaries, you know, on your time there and how you're building this trust and being vulnerable and open in a leadership position, but then yet still having this other space where you do have to be Matt, the dad, Matt, the husband, you know, how do you set boundaries for yourself and work at home? Um, I know you said the commute, but a lot of times, you know, you're just going to, you have stressful things that you're dealing with. How do you put those out of your mind or what do you do to kind of separate yourself from those? Well, I, um, it reminds me of, uh, and you may have to steer me back on in just a second. <laughs> uh, your question is a good one. And it reminds me of, uh, so as a, as a captain company commander in the, in, in Iraq, uh, my my company had had 50 purple hearts. Uh, I gave out 50 purple hearts. Purple heart is an award uh, that you receive for wounds. And uh, my dad has two purple hearts. Yeah, from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So you certainly know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you know you never want one, right? Mm-hmm. You never want those things. Uh, but 50 purple hearts at a, of a company at a at a 250 uh, was uh, you know that's a, that's it was a lot and. Um, uh, it was a lot for the time in 2004 and, uh, and of, and so, you know, the, those guys were busy. We were busy and, uh, and I was really proud and I wouldn't have come to this on my own. My, my first sergeant, uh, talked me onto this at the time. And, uh, and we just, we talked mm-hmm. and, uh, whenever we got back and we had lost or we'd experienced some failures or we'd, you know, gotten slapped around a little bit, um, even if, even if we gave back more uh, than, than we took, it was so important to sit back and, and be honest about, you know, that, that loss. Um, and, uh, and I, I was, I'm really proud of the fact that of those 250 Marines and sailors, um, none, uh, not, not, we had zero cases of confirmed uh, PTSD. Uh, wow. wow. After that. And, and I totally attribute that to just being able to sit down like a family uh, and, and own, own our mistakes, own the things that happened, even if, the, uh, even if they can't be attributed, couldn't be attributed to our mistakes uh, or our successes mm-hmm. and just process them together in a, in a safe place where, uh, you know, where judgment was withheld mm-hmm. and, and we really just had each other's best interest in mind. And that was such a rich and powerful thing. We did it every day. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I hope you're loving hearing a different perspective today with Matt and I. I wanted to take a moment and ask a favor from you. Can you quickly scroll below this episode and give it a review? Or if you're on YouTube, give it a thumbs up and a comment. Giving reviews on a podcast helps others find these episodes. And it's my mission to help everyone live a life of wholeness. This is a team effort and it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. Now back to the episode with Matt. 
those are important. And I think, you know, that sort of thing is certainly fungible in family life uh, to, to, you know, walk into a child's bedroom and apologize for losing your temper as they're going to sleep and, uh, and, you know, endeavor to do better the next day and just to own that uh, and teach them to, you know, own their failures as well without excuses and, um, and acknowledge, certainly acknowledging contributing factors and, and things that might get you to, uh, you know, start setting you to in, in motion to make those, those same mistakes again in the future. You, you asked about boundaries. I don't know if that answered the first part of your question. No, that's a wonderful, like, that's a, a great, thank you for sharing those examples, because I think like, you know, everything you said about just being open about the failures within that space that you were able to really talk and you said process what that was and not just say, okay, we failed or that didn't, that's what happened, but to sit there with everybody and to really move through those experiences. And then that's then, yeah, for me as a survivor, a childhood PTSD and, um, you know, as seeing my dad, the thing that I did differently from my dad is that when I would have those moments or explode or unload is I did go back and talk to my kids, you know, and that's a different time in a different place. You know, we didn't always know why dad was mad or what have you, you know, so just even hearing you say that, that brings me so much joy and hope because I know that's been such a space in the military that people have struggled with too of like, you know, how do we, how do we talk about these very real things that have happened to us in these experiences and then translate them to family life. And it is like giving yourself that space to process it and to say like, here's, here's what this really felt like. Here's what this is like for us. Um, and that's something where showing your kids then that too, you're giving them such a gift because you're helping them understand that if you did lose your cool or whatever, that it wasn't about them. You know, it was about you in that moment, or it was about something else and not something they did. So, yeah. So there was so much in everything that you said, I don't even know how to unpack it, but it just like really makes me happy on so many levels to hear that that's that's a thing that happens because it, you know, we know that from so much other research and from the things that we see people moving through that that isn't just, you know, for your psychological health, that is for your physical health. You know, you want lower blood pressure and your cortisol levels to be regulated and your nervous system to be healthy, right? And we have to release some of those emotions in a safe space, like you said, you know, we in an appropriate way. We can't just all go around crying about everything all the time either, you know? So, um, yeah, that's wonderful that you had that space. Do you think that that is something that is typical or do you think that that's more unique to what you, you know, what you were part of? Oh, I, I don't, I, I believe it. I believe it to be an, an atypical experience among my peers. Um, yeah. you asked about balance. Um, so I, very early in my career, I, I was probably forced to think about balance a lot earlier than uh, a lot of my, my peers and colleagues. In, my, in, the, in the first battalion I was in, I, I was fortunate enough to be in with a Vietnam veteran. And, uh, and he, was, he was always really good to me. And on the day of his retirement, uh, he, uh, I was there and we were doing the, you know pretty standard military uh, retirement sort of thing where you know, you're standing around drinking Coors Light from a Dixie cup and eating broccoli spears dipped in ranch dressing. And, and, <laughs> and I, and he started talking to me, uh, and you know, he's, he's my dad's age, maybe older. Uh, and, and, uh, he's not trying to teach me anything. He's just stream of consciousness teaching or just talking. 
And, uh, and he said, and this guy was so well-respected. You can imagine a Vietnam veteran in the nineties, uh, you know, how, how he would have been, you know, extremely interested in what he had to say and what he had to teach. And, uh, so he's just talking to me and he says, you know, like I've got, uh, I'm on my third marriage. Uh, I've got two sets of estranged kids. Uh, I've got a, I've got, I just started a 30 year mortgage on a house. I don't own a house. This is, these are my first house payments. I'll be dead before the house paid, is paid off. Um, I, I have a GED. I've never saved anything. Um, I've, uh, you know, and just can, he just talks to me. He's not trying to, and, uh, and I loved this guy and I still do. Um, but I, I, uh, I said, I don't want to be like you. And, uh, and so like right away, I, I thought about, you know, what is a balanced life? What does that look like? Cause I saw he gave everything that he had to the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps would have just continued to take, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unflinchingly. Uh, and I realized so many people do that. They just give everything and then they, they, uh, they walk away. And I, I would imagine the same is true for many careers, mm-hmm. and, uh, whether it's, you know, as an, as an escape to pour yourself into this career, or you really just get sucked up in it. I don't know, but, uh, but I, I, I was all, always, uh, uh, I was always seeking to not do that, uh, as a battalion commander, that's about a thousand Marines and sailors. Um, I, I tried really hard to, uh, to be the last person in, in the morning. I, I, um, I, I ordered no meetings before nine o'clock. Uh, so wanted to take your, wanted to take your, uh, your kids to school, you could, um, or if you needed to, you know, help your spouse get off to work, you could do that. And then, uh, and then I, I tried to be the first one out the door in the evening, uh, if we weren't, uh, out in the field or certainly deployed. Um, and, uh, and just so that no one looked out the window and said, well, the boss is still here. You know, I guess I could do this right now and, uh, and not be the first one out and just giving everybody permission to, to live a balanced life as a later on in, in life, I heard about these, uh, these, these numbers, maybe, maybe folks know about them. It was new to me. Um, and they're the numbers 10752 for a, not a panacea, not like, Hey, if you're this, you definitely have a balanced life, but it's, it's, uh, it was 10 hours of work. I realize it's still a lot. I, I think it's still like 10 hours of work, seven hours of sleep, uh, five hours of, uh, growth and personal development, uh, relationship, those investment, those things that Vietnam vet, uh, had missed, right. Those five hours, and then two hours of uh, physical activity and recovery, um, and and you know just that if you're kind if you're kind of uh, at ten seven five two, then then odds are you're on a right trajectory for some balance. Um, I mean, I remember uh, at least on one occasion in my last job, uh, the the gentleman who carried the bulk of my uh, my my water. Uh, uh, I was walking out past him about, you know, three o'clock in the two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, Hey, where are you off to? And I said, uh, my, my 10, seven, five, two's off. And, uh, and I needed to go have a conversation with my son that I missed the evening before. And so I just, I just went, I, and I hope, I hope more folks uh, do that because, uh, I think there's so much of what we do today that could probably wait until tomorrow. I, I know that's not a common refrain among, uh, your military folks. But the way you said that too, and just even you're exactly right, giving people permission. I mean, not just in the military where, you know, permission is key, but just in in organizations for exactly right, for them to see 
okay, you are embodying again, what you say is okay for them to do. And there is such a hierarchy and a structure in people's minds and in even in organizations that being told is one thing, but then being able to actually witness it and see that that's happening. So you don't fear that there's going to be repercussions or what have you. And just really making that okay for people, because we've, we've kind of established in our culture that those things aren't okay. We've established this culture of busyness where everybody's in a competition to talk about how busy they are instead of really looking at like what that has done to us. And instead moving toward this place where, yeah, okay, what needs to be done today? What if this is urgent versus what is important? And, you know, how can we delegate some things to still, you know, get our, yeah, our 10752. I like that. I'm going to start using that <laughs> to really keep it in check a little bit, you know, so that's super helpful. Um, so overall, I really like everything that you're saying. I mean, it's, it's so striking to me because I, again, I don't think anyone would look at you and I and think that there are similarities and commonalities in like what we do, but yet everything you just described so embodies the principles in the, of, of growth and personal awareness and development that I'm trying to teach my students or that I, that I talk about, because really that's what all of this is, right? Is it's not just our relationships at home or with our families or at work, but it has to start with who we are. And if we're honest with ourselves about who we are and what our needs are and what that looks like. So given that, you know, this is called being whole. So what are the specific things that you do? You know, you got your 10752. Is it, I, I know you like to run or I've heard you like to run. Is it running? Is that part of it? Is it like going out with friends? Like what are some ways that you just really let go? Well, we, we you know, I, I mentioned uh, the, the, uh, the ritual that, uh, that, that my first sergeant as a company commander talked me on to. And, um, and I, the similarities, you know, between that and what, uh, what my wife and I have are, uh, are, are, are strong, uh, where, you know, there's like, I can, I'm, you know, so certainly we've known each other for, um, north of 30 now. And, um, and there's, you know, the very, very, very little room for me to hide, uh, and, and pretend. And so, um, just, and she's just a fantastic listener, uh, you know, withholding judgment, um, and, you know, this was especially true. And, you know, you talked about your father's Vietnam vet. This is what one of the things that I don't think uh, was very common uh, in, in, you know, for whatever reason, the spirit of the times or just, you know, maybe a reluctance to talk uh, on behalf of the veteran. Uh, but but uh, but, you know, I just freely sharing like, oh, my gosh, I really punted this one. And uh, I'm not even sure how I'm going to be able to live with this one. Um, and you would have been really ashamed of me uh, at this one. And um, uh, and then just, you know, just listening. I, I just uh, endeavor to be half as good a listener for her as she is as she is for me. I'm uh, I'm ADHD, so it's hard. And uh, I see Same. things all right, that, <laughs> that, uh, that so I, I want to. So that is certainly a major source of uh, of my cup not uh, not overflowing right it's a measure the measured way to take take out um uh the the water in the, in the cup is is through that relationship but yes i i i um i try really hard to do about uh eight to nine hours of uh, physical activity a week every morning 
uh, I try hard to uh, to deliberately. Work. Mm -hmm. uh, I I try. Uh, uh, one one second, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I, I try. Um, I try really hard to uh, uh, to set good boundaries. I'll tell you what makes it really hard is the uh, is the you know the the work phone. Mm -hmm. uh, it because you can you can be really good uh, drawing that separation. Come come home and then instantly be connected to an email, uh, you know, a, a crappy email or uh, mm -hmm. uh, or some other piece of news that uh, that that you that you now are forced to confront, mm -hmm. uh, not on your terms. So that, that does make it difficult. So just kind of, I, I try to be disciplined about this, the, the job I'm in now, it's, it's hard, it's as hard to do as ever before. Um, that my previous job, I was really good. Sometimes I wouldn't even take my work phone home over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, if folks knew, needed to get in touch with me, you know, my boss, they knew my personal number, they knew how to, they knew how to get me if it actually had to happen. And then I try to help people do it too. Um, as a as a stream of consciousness thinker, I would uh, I I would use the text as a mental notepad to just and I would just like. But the rule was, do not respond. Don't even read if you if you can if you have enough self control. Don't even read it. it if I need you right away, I'll, I'll call you. Uh, it's just me thinking and bouncing an idea off of you, and you know, get back to me on Monday. Uh, but that that's not what I've got going on uh, in, in, in my present assignment. Uh, but I, I just think being deliberate and intentional about, you know, understanding that we're we're, we're these uh, these feeling beings that also think mm -hmm. and, uh, and 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 deliberately uh, managing the, the water in our cup is, is so important. And when I fail to do that, I'm I'm uh, my least favorite version of myself. Mm, yeah, I mean, aren't we all right? I mean, that is what all of this relates to is just really being intentional and not just going through the motions and looking at the life you want to lead and the person that you want to be and then not just thinking about that, but what are the actions attached to that and how can I really embody that. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes we get so caught up into the things that we should do or the places or the things that we ways that we want to be, but then it's the carrying them out and you are really like working and showing, okay, no, I don't just want to be physically fit. I'm going to work on doing that. I don't want to just be vulnerable. I'm going to show people how to do that. So I think like you're just a really great role model for people of not only that this is the things I think you should do, but here is again, how I am trying to live this out in my life. And I think that's what makes you a great leader is that you really are showing up for people in that way. And you're letting people see you do these things in a way, again, that gives them permission and also gives them, I think, encouragement. Sometimes people don't know what that looks like, you know, because again, maybe the only role model they've ever talked to has been like the guy, the Vietnam vet that you're saying. And maybe for them, it was like, this is how it's supposed to be instead of this isn't what I want. So I really just appreciate the ways that you are open and, and thank you for sharing some of these examples, because I think it's, again, helpful for people to recognize that this isn't just, you know, a lot of times when we talk about emotions or we talk about vulnerability, everybody just thinks it's women. People just think it's about relationships and feelings, and they don't realize some of these principles of authenticity and individuality and intention that are just present in our lives as people not tied to relationships or organizations or things.
So um, are there other examples or anything else that you'd like to share before we sign off today? I appreciate the opportunity. I, I have 8% battery life and I don't want to get okay. caught. In <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, I'm so grateful that you took this time. I know you are a busy, very busy person, and I'm so grateful for all these um, little pieces of wisdom that you were able to share with everyone. I mean, so many valuable things here that you talked to us about. And I, again, I think that with your expertise in leadership, I'm really, really just want to thank you um, from a personal and professional standpoint for talking about these principles, because it is something that can help people personally and professionally. So thank you again for your time today, Matt. I'm so grateful that you were here. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. So, so great to be a part of what you're doing. I, I feel like we're, uh, we're in step. Uh, I, I want, you know, more and more of my people to, uh, to understand these things and 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 clearly that's your aim yeah absolutely well we're gonna do our best to just make this more of the norm right so everyone can start from a, a better place because then we can be better for other people too so awesome well thanks again matt i really appreciate your time have a great all right bye bye here are a few takeaways from my conversation with matt good number one be vulnerable about what you don't know and lean into collaboration to grow. Number two, trust is not immediate. It is earned by showing you care in those little moments that build over time. Number three, even if an organization has failures, it's really about coming together and believing that leading with vulnerability, trust, and mutual respect is a winning approach. Number four, even when you lose your cool, be honest with those around you to let them know that your emotions may not actually be a result of what they did, but might be something that is completely separate from them. Number five, if you're not intentional, your career will continue to take and take until you realize you've got nothing left to give and nothing left for yourself to live a comfortable life. Number six, it's important to realize what is truly important and meaningful to us and be mindful about what can wait to a later time. In being self-aware in those two areas, we can truly find a balance in our lives. Number seven, we are feeling beings who also think. Deliberately managing the water in your cup is important to be a person that you feel proud to be. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed learning these skills today and I'm so honored to have this platform to share these conversations with you.